This is God's holy and infallible word. First of all, Matthew 5, 14 through 16. Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And then the next text is 1 Peter 2, 12. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So in these several sermons, we're asking why do we live the Christian life? Our living, what we do doesn't save us. Christ alone through his work on the cross does that. And we emphasize that so strongly that it's Jesus alone because the Bible teaches that he is the only way to everlasting life. That's why we always emphasize that Jesus saves, Jesus alone. Our Christian living, doing good, doesn't save us, but yet the Bible talks about living for the Lord all the time. So it raises the question, why do we do good works? How does that fit in the lives of God's children? How does it relate to God's work of salvation? And this question and answer of the Heidelberg Catechism that we've been looking at raises exactly those types of questions and summarizes for us what the Bible teaches on this topic. Um, I'll read the question. If you could all read the answer, that would be great. We have been delivered from our misery by God's grace alone through Christ, and not because we have earned it, why then must we still do good? Thank you. So we've divided up that answer of the catechism into three parts. We're up to the third part tonight. We do good so that by our godly living, our neighbors may be won over to Christ. I believe I want to look at three implications to this answer tonight. First of all, this shows us, and this is so important for us as Christians, this shows us that the Christian life is more than me and Jesus. We're in the part of the catechism that talks about the Christian life, doing good. We're told that we do good, first of all, basically because God's salvation causes us to do good. God gives us that new DNA. We can't help but live for Him. We're motivated to have a life of gratitude because we're so thankful for all God has done for us in Jesus, and God gives us in his salvation a new purpose for our living, to glorify him in all we do. So our focus in Christian living is on the Lord, on praising him, worshiping him, thanking him. We're also told that we do good to be assured of our faith by its fruits. 
And that part of the answer, maybe that makes us a little uncomfortable because it's really focusing on ourselves. And, and maybe we're thinking we don't want to be overly focused on ourselves. We want to be focused on God. But the Bible talks about God's children having assurance of salvation, that we can have that. And God wants his children to be assured of their faith. Doing good is something that can help in our assurance. Jesus says a good tree will bear good fruit. An unsaved sinner can't do good, but a saved sinner can and does through Jesus by God's grace. The thing about this is Christians who expect no sin or shortcomings in their life anymore are going to be sorely disappointed. We have to wait to heaven for that. But if those sins and shortcomings grieve us, well, that is one of those good fruit. And good fruit would point to a good tree. In other words, someone who has been grafted into the true vine, Jesus. When we do good by God's grace, when we're sorry for when we don't, that can encourage our hearts that we really, truly belong to Jesus. But now, in this third part of the answer, we're asked to look outward. The catechism talks about our neighbor. And God's Word always brings us there. The biblical faith never keeps it at only me and Jesus. And it's possible that we can get stuck there. It's possible to get so inward focused and obsessed almost about our walk with God when we're falling short. Oh, Lord, do you really love me? And when we get trapped in that, and then we might miss this. But real faith always brings us to those around us. We love the Lord our God deeply, and we hunger and thirst for Him and His ways, and... We love those around us as ourselves. The second table of the law is all about others. God's will is that Christians care for others, care about others, love others. Now, knowing that the ultimate result of not belonging to Jesus is everlasting punishment and separation from God in hell, as the Bible teaches, then the ultimate form of loving others is us wanting them to know Jesus and to be saved and to have eternal life. So as we look outward at our neighbor, it turns out that we love people so much that we want them to know our Jesus. We care that there are those who don't confess his name in our world and around us. Our godly living Our good works have a role to play in loving others enough to point them to Jesus. It's the first implication of this part of the answer. A second implication to the answer tonight is this. Our good works do not save us. The catechism talks about people being won over to Christ by our godly living, but that is not the same as saying Good works save them or save us. We can't save anyone. Only God can. Salvation is always 
And it's only by God's electing grace. That's the foundation of our salvation. As the Catechism says in an earlier question and answer, only those are saved who by true faith are grafted into Christ and accept all his blessings. By God's grace, he grafts us into Christ. He gives us saving faith so that we might accept the gift of salvation. So though our godly living is talked about, in terms of winning others for Jesus. That's not what's saving people. Doing good doesn't save others. Being kind to others doesn't save us. Serving others, even serving in the church, doesn't save us. Going to church on the Sunday night of the Super Bowl doesn't save us, though I'm so glad that we're here tonight worshiping together. Only God saves in Jesus by his Holy Spirit, out of his grace. But we might say this, our good works are a means of grace for others. And that's the third implication of the catechism's answer. And we're going to spend the rest of our time tonight there. But our good works are somehow a means of grace for others. God himself is the only one who can change hearts, but he's chosen to use various means in this world to do that. And one of those is, apparently, our godly living. Your life, my life. It's not that we are so great, but as we live godly lives, people will see the Lord in us. As God has been gracious to us, We live out of his grace so people can experience and see him in our words, in our attitudes, our actions. The Bible texts we read tell us that a purpose of living for the Lord is to win people over to Christ. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. In this verse, live such good lives among the pagans that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. The day he visits us is the last day, the end of time, the day of judgment. So people who are glorifying God on that day are those who have been saved. So it's talking about their salvation. We get the same idea in a different way in 2 Corinthians 3, 2 and 3. We have just a beautiful picture given to us to bring home this idea of our lives being witnesses for Christ. Paul talks there about believers being letters for Christ. Remember that part in 2 Corinthians? Our lives living letters. What we do, what we say, how we act, the Bible is saying it all speaks to those around us. They say a picture is worth a thousand words. Our lives are a picture of sorts. And we better believe that people are watching. They're wondering if Christians are the real deal. They're wondering, does Jesus really make a difference in someone's life? Or does he not make much difference at all? Do we approach life pretty much like anyone else? Do we pretty much have the same attitudes as anyone else? In our living, 
we can give testimony to the grace of God in us. I really like that word neighbor in the catechism. It's good for us to use that word. When we talk about reaching people for Jesus and we talk about evangelism, sometimes the tendency is to think of missions in the sense of countries far away. And that's really important. I'm so thankful for the missions committee of this church and how they keep us focused on ministries, mission opportunities all over the world. If you look at our faith promise missionaries, uh, we're partners with people bringing the gospel in so many different languages and ethnicities in this country around the world. That's amazing. That's wonderful. But neighbor reminds me of our mission close by. The original language of the catechism makes it even closer to us than the word neighbor by saying we do good works, and it's literally, it says, so that those next to us see our good deeds and are won over to Christ. Sharing Jesus begins with those next to us those closest to us. I think of our neighbors and the challenge of getting to know them. We don't even know 75% of our neighbors, it seems like these days, let alone to get to the point of sharing Jesus with our neighbors. But if our lives are living letters, like the Bible says, then we are perhaps saying a lot more than sometimes we think we are. Even if we haven't had a conversation where we've proclaimed the gospel, we yet do share Jesus with our lives. At least that's what the Heidelberg Catechism says. Those literally next to us are those we live with. If you're married, it includes your spouse. If you have children, it includes your kids. Kids who have siblings, that includes your brothers and sisters. Evangelism must start there. And I, I truly believe that As God's people, our families are our number one mission field. Do we live in such a way that those closest to us are won over to Christ by our good deeds? That's a tough question to answer because sometimes it's easier to show the fruit of the Spirit to people outside our home. There are a couple groups in our church um, who are meeting every month to listen and discuss, listen to and discuss a visionary parenting DVDs. It's really good stuff, by the way. Um, Rob Reno, the speaker, points out in one of those sessions how some of the stuff we, we say to one another in our homes, we wouldn't dare to say to anybody else. We wouldn't dare to speak that way to a teacher or to a friend. We can say something harsh to a loved one, And it's not like they're going to throw us out on the street. But, you know, if you would roll your eyes or sigh or shout out to your boss, some of the things we do very readily to one another in our homes, you probably get fired. Part of it, of course, is because we know that we're loved unconditionally in our home. And that's a very good thing, of course. But as we think of our homes, there's... Tremendous need for forgiveness for all of us, for grace, but also for, a, for us, great opportunity 
a great opportunity like nowhere else on this earth to be a living letter, to live for Jesus. And in that living, in our loving, we are being witnesses for Jesus. Our mission field expands outward from there to everyone we meet, our neighbors. The Heidelberg Catechism, I think, in talking about this, our neighbor, our living, is, uh, was kind of really actually with it in terms of evangelism methods by talking to those next to us because they say that the vast majority of people vast majority come to Christ not through a sermon on TV, not through a church sign, but through personal contact from a believer. Simply living our lives before those around us, God uses that in His kingdom and in His salvation purposes. This emphasis on our good deeds doesn't mean our lives lived are the only means God uses. He uses our words. Our words are important. 1 Peter 3.15 calls us to be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. The primary means of grace, in fact, we would say, is the preaching of the Word. And so we attend to the proclamation of God's Word ourselves with our loved ones, and we carry God's Word out from here to our neighbors too. When we think about our words, sometimes some of us feel that we don't have the right words to share Jesus with those around us. And, and you know, it is true, some people are just better with their words than others, but if someone asks us about our faith, as 1 Peter 3 says, we're called to be prepared. I think knowing theology, memorizing Scripture, all of that is really good and very important, but even more than that, when we're asked to give account for our faith, or in addition to that, certainly, the, very, the thing we can do as believers is just simply talk with someone if they ask about the difference Jesus has made in your life. Let's talk about where you'd be without him. Talk, talk about his faithfulness to you in times of trial. Talk about the rock that you have in this changing world. Talk about the peace that the Holy Spirit gives you in your life. Talk about the purpose for living that you have in this world where people struggle for meaning. Talk about the hope that you have for the future in this life and the next. I don't think the Lord calls us to give unsolicited sermons to people, but the way of 1 Peter 3 seems to be that when the occasion arises, we're called to give testimony to our hope, to Jesus. And I think that the sharing with our words is not as complicated as we sometimes make it out to be. It's not as hard as we think. Another major means that God uses is prayer, of course. And so we pray fervently 
for our loved ones. We pray for open hearts for those around us, those we interact with. But the focus here is on doing good as a way to share God's grace. God uses our lives. It's as important as ever today, I think, when our world criticizes Christians as hypocrites. People are watching to see if our walk and our talk match. I'm told that in the communication sciences that there's, they say that there's a, what they call a symbiotic relationship between words and what people see. If words and deeds are congruent, if they match, well, it makes the words all that much more powerful. So if people hear about Jesus and Christianity and then they see actual Christians living the Christian life, it makes the words more powerful. They will stick better. But if what people see is different than what they hear, it can almost totally wipe out the words. They'll remember what they see if the two don't match up. And that's sobering. Sobering. We thank God that he forgives us when our walk and talk don't match. And we thank him every day that it's his grace alone that saves us, that saves others. And it's not dependent on us. The fact that God uses our lives to speak to people of his grace. It's a tremendous privilege and it's a tremendous opportunity. And it's exciting when we think about it and when we approach it from the foundation of the grace of God. Our good deeds point people to Christ. God uses us to bring home his word in a sense. So in this little three-part study, we've seen tremendous benefits and blessings to seeking to live holy lives day by day. It's so that we might give God glory and thanks for all he's done for us, so that we would be reminded that we belong to Jesus, and so that we could be assured of that. And if those weren't enough good reasons to want to live for the Lord with all our hearts, God also uses our good deeds to win people over to our Savior. May the God who saves us by sheer grace through faith give us his grace day by day to live holy and godly lives with all our hearts. Amen.